Paul's wrapping up his letter to the Romans. <clears throat> and uh, we've, we've seen him close out this great letter of great truths. And he's concluding that Christ is the, or he's told us again that Christ is the hope for the world, both Jew and Gentile. And his mission was to go to the world, the Gentile territory specifically, to preach the gospel, to plant churches, and to lead the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. This week we're picking up kind of mid-sentence in chapter 20, because I want to look at the missionary zeal of Paul. And so we're going to, I'll read it, verse, start at verse 18 for context, but we'll read from verse 18 through 33, looking at Paul's heart to expand the kingdom of God. And then we'll talk about how we can join that mission, even as a small church. So starting at verse 18, the Apostle Paul says, For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the powers of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus, I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation, but as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have often been hindered from coming to you, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I have enjoyed your company for a while. At the present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution to the poor among the saints at Jerusalem, for they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought to also be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this, and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come, I will come to you in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I might be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service from Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by, the God, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The last few weeks on my mind is what what should be in a Christian's head in the morning? Like what what is the my base level thought? I don't even know if I can express this to you fully, because this is a kind of a foggy notion I have. What what should a Christian be thinking about? What's the right thing to have your mind controlled by, or, or what's the main thing when you're not thinking about anything else? 
what what is the what is the notion the picture the motivation in my mind that's a question i'm constantly kind of dealing with personally i don't know if, if you guys go through the same thing but um i didn't come up with any novel conclusions but as i as i really because I don't know what it is about me. Maybe it's my personality. I'm always looking for a base level thought, kind of a foundational notion. And what do what do people have as their foundation foundational notion today? It's maybe maybe it's the house, and sometimes I'm tempted to want a house in the woods, or maybe it's it's money, or maybe it's a from getting promotions in your career. Maybe it's play, fishing, hunting. Maybe it's, it could be any number of things. But what is that singular thing for a Christian? Very obviously and simply, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all those, anything you need is going to be added. Seek first the kingdom. And so, to be useful to the Lord, do, do you not want to be useful to the Lord? I, I want to be useful for the Lord. But if my mind is constantly preoccupied with things that are sure to pass away, things that are where moth and rust destroy, if, my, if that's the foundation of my thoughts, then I'm not going to be useful as I could be. So seek first the kingdom. Jesus said, the Gentiles seek over after those things. That is, the people who don't know God yet, they seek after those things. But you, you seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things you need will be added to you. So the, to seek the kingdom means at least two things, at least two things. Number one, it means the expansion of God's kingdom in the world. And number two, it means the building up of God's kingdom in the world. And as I read this passage, Paul has an agenda. You can read Paul's letters throughout. And he clearly is a man with an agenda. Um, I, you know, people that are, that are respected in the world are people with an agenda. And they're not, they're not necessarily trying to climb the ranks of social status, but they are preoccupied with the thing itself, whatever that might be. An artist that, that is truly respected is not somebody that's trying to necessarily get their art out there, but they're wrapped up in the art itself. They're preoccupied in the thing itself. That is what the Apostle Paul is. He is not trying to make ministry a platform. He is not trying to get money. He is not trying to, to advance his career. He is preoccupied in the thing itself, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the establishment of Christ's kingdom. He was preoccupied with it. He had an agenda. I really see a, a man worth respecting and the Apostle Paul, and looking up to. So, our agenda 
I think as Christians must be the kingdom of God, its expansion and its building. That's what it, that's at least what it means to seek the kingdom. Uh, personally, you seek the kingdom in your own heart too. You also seek the kingdom here, and the kingdom has certain qualities, like the gifts of the whole, fruit of the Holy Spirit, and um, and the way of love in First Corinthians thirteen. Um, but outwardly. How can we have that agenda? How can we make God's agenda our agenda? It's expanding out and building up God's kingdom. And the expanding out of God's kingdom is done through missions. And today we are talking about missions because we see Paul's missionary zeal in this passage. So I want to answer four questions today. Number one is a question I just answered but I'll answer it fuller in a, in a minute. Number one, how is the kingdom expanded? Number two, what does a missionary do? Uh, number three, what is the church's role in missions? Number four, how can you, particularly you, advance the kingdom, advance missions? Let's answer those questions briefly. Number one, how is the kingdom expanded? Answer, missions. That is how the kingdom is expanded. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Acts 26. Acts 26. Acts. Going the wrong way. I was praying that the Lord would give me a a, a, a vision for this sermon, and Paul's speech to King Agrippa is the vision. Um, so Paul standing is standing before King Agrippa. He has been arrested for preaching the gospel, and the king to the king, he preaches a sermon essentially, and I want to I want to read verses thirteen through um, 23. The Apostle Paul recounts his um, he recounts his encounter with the Lord on the Damascus Road. He says, At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun that shone around me, and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise, stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles whom I am sending you. Now here, Paul is about to get into the mission statement, verse 18. Christ is sending him to, verse 18, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, and a place among those who are sanctified in faith by me. 
Therefore, O King Agrippa, I was not obedient to the I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those who were in Damascus, then to Jerusalem, and throughout the region of Judea. And for this reason the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. I see the Apostle Paul thinking about the gospel as an exchange of powers, from the power of darkness to the power of light. That's why that is his motivation, to turn people who are in bondage to the world system, who is con which is controlled by spiritual forces in dark places, keeping people in bondage. And Paul sees the gospel not just as a way to get to heaven, but more fully as a way, the message that can take people out of darkness and bring them to light. And then, receiving forgiveness of sins, covered entirely. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow in Jesus Christ. And then Christ paved, oh, and then he talks about repentance in verse 20. Repentance. Repentance is a turning from sin, but it's also a turning to God. Repentance is, is double-sided. So you have not repented if you're not following. So Christ paved the way. He paved the way as in verse 23, all the way down in verse 23. He says that, he was showing people that Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. So, interesting phrase, Jesus is the first to rise from the dead. That means that those who follow him are coming out of death with him. The first to rise from the dead. So it's as if that Jesus Christ went down into death and he's leading a host of captives out of it. They used to, I, I probably told you this before, but they used to blow up mountains by putting dynamite, sticks of dynamite, way down in the mountain. They would drill deep holes down in the mountain. And then they would throw the dynamite down in there. And that dynamite would explode the mountain. That is a great picture for what Christ did. He went down into death. And he burst it apart, and those who have faith in him, he leads a host of captives out of death through faith in him. If you want to hold on to Christ as he is speeding out of death into glory, you need the arm that you need is the arm of faith in him, trusting that he and he alone paid for your sins, that he and he alone is the way the truth, and the life. So, how is the kingdom expanded? It's expanded through that message about Jesus Christ. That's missions. And what Paul, this was not a light thing for Paul. He was not just out there doing social work. This was a weighty matter for him. So, the kingdom is expanded through missions. Number two, what does a missionary do then? 
So the kingdom is expanded through missions, but what does a missionary do? A missionary pioneers the work of the gospel. When, when in the early days, they would have settlers in America would come and they would pioneer certain areas in, in the country. And they would set up their house and the group of people would set up houses. They would establish a town. They would build a church. They would establish farms and they would pioneer what was a hostile territory to men at first. That's precisely what a missionary does. He goes into a hostile territory where Christ has not yet been preached, and he pioneers the way. In verse 20, we're back in Romans now. In verse 20, the Apostle Paul says he makes it his ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. So Paul, Paul's pioneering of the gospel was to preach Christ where no one knows about him yet. And to establish a foundation. So a missionary, if you're building a house, the missionary would lay the foundation of the house. And then churches, pastors, and elders would build on that foundation. And then Paul gives us a sort of life verse from Isaiah 52. Those who have never heard of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. That, the, the context of that passage is really interesting. I want to read you the whole thing because it's so Christological. It's about a suffering servant. We were talking about this earlier, me and Carl and, and Gary, I think. That there is in Isaiah a suffering servant who represents the people of Israel, takes their place in suffering, and then dies for them as God's servant. But it is a single person who represents the people of Israel. Isaiah 52, 13 through 15. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you, his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond, beyond that of the children of mankind, so that he shall sprinkle many nations with his blood. Kings shall shut their mouths because of him, for that which has not been told of them they will see, and that which they have not heard they shall understand. That's the passage that Paul quotes. So Paul is taking the message about Jesus, the fact that Christ must suffer, rise again, and offer forgiveness, and he is pioneering that message out into the world. So he was a pioneer for the gospel, breaking new ground and establishing a work in a new area. Not just, that's, that's something that's been on my heart, not just saying the message out there. He was establishing work, churches. And he used rights to Timothy. This is why I left you in Crete, that you put elders in every town. So his aim was not just to say, grab people by the collar and say, do you know Christ? Maybe he did do that. But afterwards, he, would, he was establishing churches. 
it wasn't just a desperate ministry. It was a strategic ministry. He was, he was doing a work in an area. And that's why he says, since I have no more work left for me in this region, he says that down a few verses later, I'm going to Spain. So, uh, a few observations here. Number one, the true essence of missions is preaching Christ where he has not been named. That is mission work. So, if you want to go out, if there are mission agencies that go out and they give medicine and hospital work and bring nurses to an area, that's great. If there are mission agencies that educate, that is very, very good and needed. If there are mission agencies that bring a bunch of food, fantastic. We need that kind of thing. We need to be salt and light in the world. But without Christ, without that message, then medical missions is just preparing the body and not the soul. Without Christ, that means we're just giving food to people without giving them the bread of life. And man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And you know who the word is that came from the mouth of God? Jesus Christ. Colossians talks about Christ as the word of God by whom he created the world. In the beginning, John said, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Long ago, God spoke, to, spoke unto us by prophets, but now he has spoken unto us by a final word, his son. So, the essence of missions is the message of Christ. Number two, missionaries lay a foundation. Churches build on that foundation. So, this is right here, Church of the Vine. We're building on the foundation of Christ. In this area, in, in Newburgh right now, we're building, we're, we are building a gospel kingdom presence right here in Newburgh. So that's Paul's agenda. Number three, next question is, what is the church's role then in missions? What so we know missionaries go out, they expand, but what is the church's role in missions? Um, in the next few verses, Paul gives his plans coming up. He says, this is the reason why I so often have been hindered to coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any more room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. Paul said he had no more room for work. He had established churches in in various areas and now he was trying to get the message out there, expand the kingdom out as far as he can. It's very interesting because this little section here, you can see what's going on in his life in Acts chapter 19 through 26-ish. He was dealing with Acts 19 through 26 during the writing of this passage. And in Acts 19, um, I just read the other day, Paul was, it said of Paul, 
Paul said, I must see Rome. So Paul intended to go to Rome just as he was writing to the Romans here. So you can read about Paul's life during that time in Acts, who was not written by him, but a companion of his. Then he says, um, then he talks about a financial gift he's taking to Jerusalem. He says, at the present, so his future plans are to visit Rome and then go to Spain. But he says, at the present, however, I am going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. He is bringing a collection for the saints. You can read about that collection in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9 as well. Why is he bringing a collection for poor saints in Jerusalem? There was a famine in Jerusalem during this time. And Paul is bringing, collecting money from Gentile churches to bring to Rome. And even more than that, he is trying to, to, to um, forge a sense of unity between Jew and Gentile, which has been a burden for his and Romans. The fact that they are one in Christ. Now there's no more Jew or Greek, slave or free, but they are one in Christ. And the collection for the saints was to be a, a display of solidarity with the Jews for the Jews. The Gentiles are in on the same mission as you are. We believe in the same Christ, we have the same king. And so Paul was trying to get the churches unified by this gift. And he anticipates that he would be helped on his journey by Rome. So Rome was sort of a waypoint. In verse 24, he says, I hope to see you as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you. To be helped there means to be financially helped, maybe to have companions join him in the mission. But Paul envisions the Roman church as an outpost for the gospel, a home base for missions, where he would find support and help in his mission. So how, what is the church's role? The, question, the answer is a church needs to be a home base or an outpost for missions, a place where the gospel and the Bible is preached, where disciples are made, where missions is supported, where the faith is contended for, where elders are raised up, where missionaries are sent out. The purpose of the church for the kingdom is an outpost. Not just, not just a place for the sick, like I said last week. Yes, it is a place for the sick, but not just a hospital. It's also like a military base where we're equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Next question is, how can we join? How can you and I join? So that's what a church does, and that's what we teach the Bible, that's what we're teaching theology. But, but how, how can I join daily? Now Paul, Paul really did a lot for the kingdom. He was stoned for preaching the gospel. He escaped the city by being let down on a wall. In fact, in Acts, I was just reading today, in Acts, 40 men at one time 
made an oath that they would not eat anything until they killed Paul for preaching the gospel. Paul, he, he did what he could for Christ. And he even wanted to do more. Now, what, what do you and I do for Christ? Now, usually, when a preacher says that, he's trying to make you feel bad for not doing more. But that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm really asking you a question, what can you do? Maybe you're not called to go overseas and die. Maybe you are. Maybe you are. I don't want to assume that you're not. But maybe you're not. Maybe you have a family. Maybe, maybe you don't know a foreign language. Maybe you could be used for the kingdom elsewhere. Maybe in, in churches, being part of the outpost. But what can you do? There are men like the Apostle Paul. There are men that go into jungles. and, they, and they, They're almost heroes of the faith, it seems. What can you and I do? The Apostle Paul says in verse 30, he requests of them one thing. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul believed that the Roman church could help by striving with them, with him in prayer. To strive is to join, to fervently work with, to lock arms with the Apostle Paul in prayer. Prayer is the thing you can do. That's the thing you can do. See, maybe you can't go overseas. Maybe you cannot be a missionary and have boots on the ground and hands on the field. But what you can do is the thing that Paul asks for in this letter. To strive together with God's agenda in prayer. That's what you can do. Prayer is the thing. So don't never discount prayer. Never discount the power of prayer. It's in Acts, when they prayed, the room was shaken. When Paul sent um, Ananias, or when God sent Ananias to Paul, he said, behold, he prays. God responds to prayer. And that passage that Nydia read, the prayers of the saints were bottled up and presented before the Lord. We support Far Cry Missionary Society, as you know, and um, and that's some of where our offering goes. I want to read you a, just two letters that you can go on their website, Heart Cry Missionary Society, because we're joining with missionaries the, the way we can, by giving our funds to support the mission. This is an update from South Africa. The letter says, an urgent plea for prayer, written by a missionary. Dear friends, we are sending out a plea for urgent prayer on behalf of Jay and Pastor Mario. 
Jay was the only one to respond publicly this, this month to the open-air preaching by our church. He was a prominent gang leader, and the church has witnessed a dramatic change in his life, giving genuine evidence of salvation. His wife has been so amazed by the change that even she gradually grew in her openness to the gospel and has also now professed faith in Jesus Christ. Last week, I received heavy news from Mariel. The rule of gangs is now blood in, blood out. That is, you must kill someone to enter the gang, and if you leave it, you or your family must die. Jay's old gang has been harassing and threatening Jay's extended family in an effort to force him into a vulnerable position. The church has spent the last week in fasting and prayer. And Friday, he and Jay will confront the gang in an effort to make peace and to proclaim the gospel. The situation is dangerous. Lives are at risk, and we plead with you to join us in prayer for God to intervene in power. What can you do? Can you go in with guns blazing? No. But you can strive together with them in prayer. As you know, Afghanistan has been in turmoil since the United States pulled out a few weeks ago. And the group that is most in danger are Christians. Here's a letter from the Middle East coordinator of um, HeartCry Missionary Society. We at HeartCry have been deeply touched by the many messages from you, assuring us of your prayers for Afghanistan believers and asking for updates. I had the privilege last week of spending a day with Lucas, our Afghan missionary, in another country in the region. It was painful to see the heavy burden that he bears as he constantly labors with very little sleep to get his friends and fellow servants of Christ to safety. He is just um, yet mingled with pain was a great joy to see how God's Spirit has sustained him and to hear his firm confidence in the goodness and wisdom of our sovereign God. There is so much more we wish we could tell you, but I can tell you so that um, I can tell you so that you may rejoice with us that the family we specifically asked you to pray for a few weeks ago is now safely across the border. God has truly worked wonders in answer to your prayers. Please continue to pray for them as we work through the complex logistics of long-term care. Please continue to pray for another large group of high-risk believers who are not yet out of the country. And please pray for our dear friends who are working tirelessly to deliver Christ's sheep from severe danger. Every missionary seems to be asking for something. Paul, the pastor in South Africa, the missionary coordinator in Afghanistan, seem to be asking for prayer. That's the thing you can do. You can strive together with them in prayer. Um, there is, at, at Heart Cry Missionary Society, they support...
couple hundred missionaries, I think, and good missionaries too, vetted missionaries who are truly doing gospel work like we talked about. They're, they're not just out there, you know, doing some kind of secular counseling or something. They're truly doing the work of ministry, establishing churches, and trying to get souls to be saved and do a work in those hostile areas. So there is a good, God-centered, Christ-glorifying missionary agency with real missionaries. Um, so you can go on their website, heartcrymissionarysociety.org, I think. They have um, missionary of the day that you can pray over. We will continue to pray for them at church and prayer meeting. But I, you know, Jesus prays. Jesus tells us to pray that his kingdom come. Why does he do that? Because he uses your prayers. He uses them. So strive in prayer. That's what you can do. And you can make it a daily, a daily habit. So here's the thing. Missions is about laying a foundation, and churches build on that foundation. So what we're doing at Church of the Vine is we're trying to establish a work. That's what we're about. We are trying to be a gospel outpost in an area. Uh, I, we are try, I am trying to preach Bible, biblical sermons. In Bible study, we are trying to... Um, there's a lot going on there, but one of the things we're doing is we're learning deep things about God. We're, we're going deeper. We're trying to not be stay in the shallow end of the pool. We're trying to go deeper so that people can grow in this church as that course is developed. Hopefully we can re-roll that course every year or two. What we do need, what we do could use is coming up as a children's church where not where the kids just you know, go go in the back and draw a picture of giraffes with their neck hanging out of Noah's Ark. But where they're catechized and they're taught foundational truths. So that's really, that would help the work, I think, um, if we had that. If you're interested in that, um, we've been talking about this, but see Nydia, talk to me. We need women who are um, able to commit to, to that. And then we'll see what the Lord does with us. We'll see. But right now, we're committed to the work. And you're being part of this church. You're not just attending a church. I don't want you to think about it that way. I want you to think about it as joining work. Um, and, and then we'll see what the Lord does with us. But it's all for the same purpose. It's for the expansion and building up of God's kingdom. Amen? Amen. All right. Please visit Heartcry Missionary Society. These, these uh, missionaries are in desperate need of prayer. We, they have money. They're in desperate need of prayer now. Let's close out.